welcome everybody to M Class Email. Oh shit, it's the other show we do. It's show number two where we hear from you. I'm Jeff. And uh, I can't rhyme that, so I'm Josh. <laughs> uh, straight out the gate, we actually got like a lot of emails this time, so if we Hell don't get yeah. to yours, I will be saving it for next time, so don't worry. Fucking good. <laughs> Our first email, straight out the gate, from your Josh. boys Jeff and Josh, it's an email from Metroid Mike. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know Metroid. It's entitled, Does Will Smith Have Two Dongers? <laughs> Wait, what? What's up, y'all? Got a classic pitch it or ditch it. Fresh Prince, but Klingon? <laughs> what? Uncle Phil is the captain. Aunt Viv is the first officer. Will's the plucky ensign who's kind of like Worf who didn't grow up in the Empire. And Jazzy <laughs> Jeff is a Q who they throw out of the airlock every episode. <laughs> Jazzy Jeff is a Q. Man, why wasn't Jazzy Jeff a Q on Star yeah, Trek? no doubt. That'd be so Holy fucking shit. great, actually. Uh, Jazz is a Q because he's the only one that noticed Aunt Viv changed during the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, Carlton, did she? Yeah, the Aunt Viv who played her to begin with was like a, th- a thin dark-skinned lady who was like I much, just she was like much like cooler as a character and the lady who played her later was like a, a little like heavier set light-skinned lady yeah yeah oh i only remember like the first aunt viv yeah the second aunt viv is very forgettable uh yeah, the first aunt the viv first. wanted more money and will was like no She's gone because they they like butted heads a lot anyway on everything. Well, that's good that he didn't pay her because he's certainly hurting for money now. <laughs> <laughs> the ship is of course called the Bel Air. <laughs> is it a Klingon ship? Well, Carlton is a Ferengi, so that's good. <laughs> Why is Carlton a Ferengi? He's he's Will, son of Smith. Like with a Y. Phil, Phil son of Banks, B A N. <laughs> Uh, Q S yeah like a couple of apostrophes in there Viv Yin of House Banks <laughs> Jazzy it it's Jazzy Jeff it's with Q's pronounced Jazzy this is Jeff. like a this is like a robot chicken sketch and Carl Tun <laughs> Carl with like a Q. Also, uh, Jazz knew, was the only one that noticed that the little the baby grew up to be a kid in one season. So he is definitely a Q. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's so out of it, he's with oh, it, right? shit. Now, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute just sit right there. i tell you how I became instant on a ship called Bel Air. That's pretty good. In West Alpha Quadrant, born and raised in Starfleet is where I spend most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and swinging my bat left outside of the school when a couple of Pataks, who have no honor, started making fun of my double donger. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I'm in. I stabbed one little guy and my mom got scared and said, you're going to go serve on your uncle on IKS Bel Air. (laughs) Holy shit, that's a lot of syllables. (laughs) I begged and pleaded with her day after day, but she packed my Targan and she sent me on my way. She gave me a kiss, so then she gave me my ticket. I put my space Walkman on. I said, I got a double ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Warp 9. Yo, this is fast. Drinking blood wine out of a champagne glass. Is this what the people of Kronos be living like? Hmm, this might be all right. 
But wait, I hear they're deadly. High cancel and all that. Is this the type of place where they should send this cool salat? I don't think so. I'll see when I get there. Hope they're prepared for the incident of Bel Air. Well, uh, the roundabout landed in. Oh, this is the long out, version. It was a dude looked like a cop. A cab standing there with my name out. I ain't A-cab. trying to go to Stovacor yet. I just got here. I sprang with the quickness like Kayla's disappeared. I whistled for a transport, and when it came near, the license plate said fresh and had ta- Tongo cards in the mirror. <laughs> If anything, I could say that this transport was rare, but I thought, nah, forget it. Yo, warrior to Bel Air. <laughs> I pulled up to the ship about star date seven or eight, and I yelled to the captain, Kapla, smell you later. Looked at my starship, I was finally there to sit at the helm as the ensign of Bel Air. <laughs> that's a shirt, Kapla, smell you later. Kapla, smell you later is fucking that's- amazing. That's great. I That's lost really the great. beat quite often because of how no, many that was a lot. That was good, though. <laughs> that was really good. Lyrical credit to Metroid Mike, Colin B., Jeff, Jason Daruma, and AJ Baby. <laughs> this is like a like a Discord group effort. Uh, Sun Tzu's rule number two, be cheesy, even though it ain't easy. <laughs> P.S. The Klingons have four balls. Commander Metroid Mike of the IKS Big Rick. <laughs> uh, as, damn, that's a great name for a ship. Uh, I always like, like as a deck scientist, I can tell you that they just have two giant balls. True. Like Four, two decks, two like really big balls, and they're one ball <laughs> per deck. Oh, really? You're so the you could double. So you could. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I totally finished second in my class like Julian Bashir. Of course. Fucking It's a pre pre ganglia or whatever the fuck this question was. I don't remember. Oh no. It's, instead of a something it's a prefrontal ganglia or whatever. You guys did a bang up fucking job of turning the Fresh Prince theme into a Star Trek theme version. Hell yeah. I would definitely watch that robot chicken sketch. That, I would pitch the hell out of it. Did you yeah. know? Uh, this is going to be like two weeks late by the time this comes out. Did you okay. know that Will Smith found a guy on YouTube who made a drama trailer for a reboot of Fresh Prince? Like it's a I drama. Did not. Will I didn't Smith know this. found this guy and has hired him to make it a real show. That's crazy. I, how's that going to work, though, man? It, the trailer is funny because of what it is. I right. don't know if a whole show yeah. is going to be a, it's The whole show is not going to be But I think that, it's right? going to be like a legit drama. Like, oh, no. It's, they're going to do like a legit dramatic like TV drama, like Riverdale style. I was just, I was just going to say if Riverdale has taught me anything and (laughs) let me tell you, it certainly has. You have to lean hard into the ridiculousness. Like they do. You just have to like, cause Riverdale is just like, it knows, right? Like it knows how crazy it is. Like I was, I was watching the trailer. The trailer's fun. It's very fun and it's very well made. And Anytime in my entire life that I see DJ Jazzy Jeff or I see yeah. someone who's supposed to be him, it like brightens my life a hundred right, times. Right, because he's so fun. Like I he's love just so DJ funny. Jazzy Jeff so much. Dude, I love that gif where he just walks in and he like just looks around. He doesn't even shake uh, Uncle Phil's hand. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. I love the sound he makes when he gets thrown out. Uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, 
they should email Metroid Mike. That was a, that, was, that was a club banger. I love yeah, that. Was, that's going on my Spotify. Our next email is from Jeff with a G. Okay. And it's it says, "Don't worry, this is a shorter one." <laughs> that hi, makes me worried. Hi, Jeff and Josh. Here's a peyote. Hello. Camera welcome. pans to the IKS Bel Air and oh zooms onto the god. <laughs> They're adapting. They're fucking adapting. <laughs> Captain Uncle Phil is currently on course to Deep Space Wild Wild West, where Ensign <laughs> Will Smith's father is allegedly hiding. Is that the Doom Buggy Planet? Is that the- <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, a transport is made directly to the bridge, and Urkel has arrived. What? Oh God, this is great. After some banter, Jazzy Jeff hits a boombox. Carlton and Urkel start doing the Carlton together. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Urkel bumps into a panel and accidentally starts the self-destruct sequence. He looks at the captain, stating clearly, Did I do that? (laughs) Oh, my God. Uncle Phil launches the dweeb out of the airlock. In the the void of space, Urkel does the running man and flies back into the ship and transitions into doing the Urkel. The whole crew joins in and the studio audience cheers. Freeze frame. Executive producer, Sun Tzu. <laughs> Signed, Jeff. Assistant shitpost manager aboard the IKS Bel Air. P.S. Yeah, that. Do Klingons have four balls? <laughs> <laughs> we, just, we just told you. Uh, for some context, Uncle Phil's actor plays a Klingon Enterprise. Does he? I don't remember that. That's awesome. I didn't know that either. How old was he at that point? What is he's dead, what was right? His, he's what was no, the actor's name? Ah, I don't know. I forget. Oh shit! Oh shit! Uh, James Avery. Okay, he's not. He's not alive anymore. No, right? he played uh, Shredder on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Oh yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh my god, he was the old Klingon man. That's awesome. <laughs> <He's> old- <laughs> I love episode. it. He was Kavak. I don't know. Kavak. Um, what episode was he in? Uh, he was in two episodes: Affliction and Divergence, the ones with the where we learn about the Klingon head. Oh, uh, that the ridges. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Huh. Fuck. Thank you, listeners, for telling us about this. How interesting. I haven't. I didn't even notice. This is just as big as finding out John Larroquette was a Klingon. <laughs> this is just as big. It's it's gonna be John the James Larroquette, Avery. Fun James fact Avery of the week. fun fact. <laughs> the John Larroquette James Avery fun fact of the week. <laughs> oh man. Our next email is from T.J. Kelly. Cool. And it is entitled Trek Boys for Life Part Two. Oh my god. Uh I, I'm getting a I'm sensing a theme here. Uh I don't think this is part of the theme. <laughs> Dearest but Will, Trek Will Smith boys. Was Trek boys. I sent my last email on October eleventh, twenty seventeen. Wow. I figured it was high time to send another email now that the world is a toilet and I fully zoned out of this webinar I'm watching for work. <laughs> yeah, screw that webinar. Apologies webinar. To, I fucking hate that word. It's a shitty word. Webinar. Ugh. Apologies to Josh for reminding him how long you've both been recording M class. I don't know what you're talking about. Doesn't look like anything to me. <laughs> I used to listen to the podcast on my way to work, but now that I'm working from home, I carve out time to listen to you when I'm doing my other hobbies, mainly miniature painting. Hey, cool. 
thought you were going to say masturbating. Same. Same. Same, same, same. That's awesome, though. Miniature painting rules. I am a therapist, so I spend most of my day in teletherapy sessions. I've had so many conversations in the last few months about self-care and coping, so I'm wondering, what do you do for self-care? Masturbate. (laughs) Miniature paint. Masturbate. (laughs) No, I started... uh, I mean, I'm collecting Star Wars stuff again. I started making... Retail therapy, yeah. Uh, I started making lightsaber parts. Which is super fucking cool. I'm I'm almost done with the the chamber, the crystal chamber. I'm waiting for a light. They should be here now, actually. I'm waiting for lights to come in. These are little LED lights. So I'm going to, like, put them on the bottom of this, like, crystal chamber and it'll shine through it and make it look real cool that's gonna be so awesome that's that's really like keeping me sane lately uh i, I play eso but i haven't been playing as much late, lately because like i'm just like i don't know just sort of tired yeah. i run raids now which like kind of that'll drain make, you that'll makes drain me not want to get on yeah yeah so uh, i just do that i move to a different state for self yeah that'll that'll so. take up your time <laughs> that's like jeff i gotta tell you man like i was thinking about i was really worried i was like i like texted you and i was like hey don't die yeah and i was like that jo- would really that suck. was like extremely sweet like josh sent me a text and he was like hey man be like really careful going up through this road and everything and don't die out there and i was like <laughs> I was like, oh, man, Josh is a sweetie pie. People don't know. People don't know how good of a dude Josh is. I just play an idiot on television. Uh, <laughs> on also podcast in real television. Life. Yeah, also in real life most of the time. Uh, yeah, I, I do that's... a lot of, like, really the thing that I find the most enjoyment out of, like, self-care-wise is I just, like, lay down somewhere and just, like, read <laughs> comics. That's, like, my biggest self-care thing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you just lay down in the fetal position and just... <laughs> Just lay there. <laughs> like, I've been reading uh, Dungeon Meshi, a manga, yeah. recently. And it's like, it's a comedy manga, but it's also got like a serious story to it. It's like, it's, I love it in general. Like, I highly recommend it to everybody. It's like genuinely incredibly funny in a way that has yeah. no, there's no barriers, like language barriers. It's just yeah. super funny. That's awesome. And, like, it's set in this fantasy world where, like, people dungeon dive for a living. That's great. Holy and, shit. like, everybody, like, this group goes down into a dungeon and they dive, like, a little bit too deep. And a red dragon eats one of the people. We dug deep. Too deep. And, like, <laughs> in this world, like, resurrection is nothing. Like, if you can right. get back in time, you can resurrect somebody. So they basically have one month. The dragon back. The dragon's digestive cycle is like one month, and they have like a month to get back to resurrect the main character's sister who got ate by a dragon. <laughs> and uh, this is awesome. They meet a dwarf who specializes in cooking and eating monsters from right. the dungeon. So Kevin reads this, right? He, d- he I think he does actually. I think cuz I've heard of this and this th- it's just like if Kevin made a manga. Like this is what it is. <laughs> like it's so fucking perfect. Like it'll make you unbelievably hungry. Like you will want to eat yeah. minotaur steaks and fucking when dry they describe, dishes. Yeah. 
and like, like when they describe the food. Oh, oh yeah, God. they they like they stop during their mission and have these little intermissions where they cook together, and it tells you how to make these dishes. Even oh though, my God! Even though they use monster parts and shit for them. Oh my God, yo! And the whole idea is like people go into the dungeon and they can only go so deep because they only bring in enough supplies. Right. But it's like these reality. characters are going super deep because they're just eating the monsters they find along the way, and every. Everybody's like disgusted by this. They're like, these people are fucking freaks. That's awesome. It is Holy so shit. good. I love it so much. That's right. And the characters are hilarious. Like the main dude is like the standard human fighter, so you think he's gonna be like boring. But he's like a giant weirdo who's like obsessed with monsters to the point where he kinda wishes he was one. <laughs> And he, like, loves eating them so much, and he knows everything about them like an obsessive weirdo. He's, like, my favorite character. <laughs> uh, anyway, I went off on a huge tangent. That's awesome. I, I want to read this. Yeah, What's everybody read Dungeon Meshy. Like, I'll give you a Dungeon link later. It's, yeah, like, I have a website I read it on, and, like, you can get, like, actual volumes of it in English now, which I've That's got cool. a couple. Um, anyway, um... Also, a little friendly reminder to all the Trek boys out there to drink some water, get up and move for a few minutes if you're able to, and even if you can't do those two things at the moment, remind yourself that you're doing the best you can right now. That's good advice. That is a good advice. I've started to try to drink more water because yeah, I'm... Me too. I, I, I realize how little I drink of it. We, uh, we moved into a place that is severely underpriced for what it is. I think I've mentioned this. I don't yeah. think I've mentioned this on the podcast. Well, don't say it too loudly. But, yeah, hopefully my landlord doesn't listen to this. Yeah, I'm but sure like, they do. We have a refrigerator that has the water maker and ice maker in it. What are you, a rich family from the fucking 90s? Yeah, dude, when I was a kid, I thought that's what made you rich. If you it had is what made you rich. I didn't even have that shit. My family was rich at one point. <laughs> So, like, I've just been drinking water constantly. <laughs> Every time I go to the kitchen, I'll just get some water out of it. I'll drink it. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. See, my water upstairs here is, isn't the best out of the tap. Yeah. So, uh, I, there's, like, taps that are better that I drink. Like, out of the bathroom sink, it's much better. Uh, like, this place, there's one thing I want to point out about this place. I told uh, Hadley Sinclair and Bam and Matt... Uh, my D&D group. Shout out to them. Your nerd crew? Yeah, the real nerd crew. <laughs> I told them uh, about this, and they were like, wow, you need to leave. Um, <laughs> you know how, like, townhouses and sometimes apartments and stuff will have, like, a pull-down ladder that leads into the crawl space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pull-down ladder uh, leads up to a box that has been affixed to the top of that entryway, so you cannot enter the... The, the space. crawl space. Okay. There are so many dead bodies up there. There has to be. Oh right? yeah, no. <laughs> That's There's why the place people. was cheaper than it should be. That's why it's haunted as fuck, dude. That's fine. As You're long as as long as like I can afford to live here still, which I I mean barely. I could barely afford to live here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so head to patreon.com slash class podcast and help me live in my scary haunted house yeah let's get let's get Jeff a little more comfort he, I mean I know he's got the water maker now which like <laughs> I could barely afford the water maker folks it's yeah if I would have come over to your house when I was a kid I'd have been like oh man these people are rich we've got like a little backyard and everything the thing is like I saw a picture of it yeah yeah the places around here are like I don't know, like four, five, six hundred dollars more a month. 
yeah. than this one, which is like scary. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. If we hadn't have found this place, we wouldn't have been able to move, and Crystal wouldn't have been able to take the job she took. Somebody was murdered there. That's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't care. Whatever. That's they fine. People are murdered everywhere, really, when you think about it. Serve Pro cleans that shit. That's fine. Um, this episode is brought to you by Serve Pro. <laughs> you need to clean a dead body out of your house. We're perfect. <laughs> yeah, uh, this place is also a little folly a party. Like, yeah. there there are a lot of things that like should have been fixed at a certain point that just kind of got let. Like the little deck we have on the back is so splintered up you cannot walk on it barefoot you'll die yeah yeah well maybe like that's something you could do you could sand it (laughs) yeah i know that sounds super fun it sounds like a great time i'm telling you though man after like you i'm like i'm using like fucking power tools and shit it feels good man like like i did um sculpture courses when i was in college so i learned how to weld i learned how to like use a ton of power tools I lost, there's a little uh, spot on my finger that's, like, sanded down because it touched a belt sander. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. And I, I didn't even notice. I went I to, like, I went to belt sand the other side of the thing I was working on, and I saw a red splotch going around the belt sander. That's your blood. <laughs> and I was it's like, in your blood. And I was like, oh, shit. And I looked down, and there was just blood running down the thing I was making. And I was like, oh, when I was cool. When I was a kid, my dad, like, made me do a bunch of manual labor. Yeah, so I kind of ha- fucking hate manual labor. Yep. Uh, but and it ruined it for me. But I do, I do notice, like I, I'm like, I'm like really sweaty, and I'm like, like sanding shit, and I'm like grinding shit down, and like, like oh, saw this using is, the saw. This is mask as fuck. Yeah, man. Like I'm just like fucking like manning it up, right? But I, I, that's not why I make. I just feel like I'm, I'm moving, and I'm, I'm creating something. It feels very nice to do that. You yeah, know? making stuff is like the best thing like whether it's making art or like making like a birdhouse like anything it feels really good to create i didn't think i was gonna be able to do it but now i'm finding that i'm like i like like i don't have like a metal lathe or anything like that i would love to have one because it would just be so much easier it look so much better but i'm using like hacksaws and i'm like cutting slits and things that don't go all the way through like i didn't i didn't think i was able to do this but like, you're, you're learning you're uh, you're adapting i'm failing a lot too i well, watched a really cool video works, right like every yeah. failure is a step towards success i'll try to find it there was a there i saw it on reddit it was like a documentary of a guy who uh because of the this ties in with your email like because of the the pandemic he he was like i wanted to uh, my, like my my his neighbor is a like a really amazing woodworker and the guy is really cool so he made this mini documentary and uh the trade-off was the neighbor would help him make something and teach him about woodworking and the guy would teach the neighbor about video and uh making like a, a oh, documentary awesome. i'll try to find it it's really cool and he and the guy's like like he's like the dude he's like zen as fuck That's he's like smoking killer. cigarettes right he's like really cool and oh. he's like he's like i think like failure is a gift and like that really like hit yeah. me so i was like yeah that's really a good way to look at it man absolutely like every time you fail is another step towards success i mean i don't ever want to fail because it also sucks yeah, it sucks <laughs> to fail it's not great yeah people but, may have noticed that like uh josh is not the count from sesame street he didn't just say something and lightning struck this podcast is now haunted and it will now be spooky for the rest of the podcast because it is storming a scary storm right now. Oh, no, yeah. I looked at the radar. It's crazy. Um, we're going to get through this email, I promise you. Um, 
If you find it difficult to. Yeah! Fuck yeah! Hail Satan! If you find it difficult to hear the sound of your own voice, imagine the smooth vocal tones of Kevin Cole gently reminding you to be uh, be kind to yourself, then patting you on the head. That man's a national treasure. Yeah, he is. Stay safe out there. I cheer. It's Damn. really close. Holy shit. Yeah, we're going to lose power. I yeah, know. Yeah, no it. doubt. If you find it, <laughs> stay safe out there. I cherish the entertainment you all provide. Regards, Thank TJ you. Kelly, counselor aboard the USS Victor Frankel. That's a great. That's great. Thank also thank you for being a counselor because yeah, like people, people need that need for it. sure right now. I'm on drugs now. <laughs> it's necessary drugs though. <laughs> yeah, I'm on not fun drugs. Like, well, I guess it's kind of fun. They work. It kind of works. So sure. Uh, let's let's head back into the um, the IKS oh, Bel Air universe with an email from uh, Henry Torbert. <laughs> okay. He begins, Dear Fresh Josh and DJ Jazzy Jeffington. <laughs> they had to change it because I would just be DJ Jazzy Jeff. <laughs> yeah, you'd just be the same. <laughs> Coming at you with a classic and normal peyote. Sounds, sounds classic and normal. Ensign Wahill of the IKS Bel Air finds that many members of the bridge crew have picked up something from Starfleet besides him. A pool table. The makeshift billiard hall, the Klingon version of 10 Forward, is run by a requisitions officer named Bunkshot. This is the spookiest episode we've it's ever so done. so scary. This and should be the Halloween episode. This should We should have done Halloween now. Fuck. <laughs> if only we knew. And let's Will win a few rounds before absolutely taking a frog. This is like the fucking pool shark episode. <laughs> I don't remember. I so I don't. I never watched a, a lot of Fresh Dude, Prince. I watched so much fucking Fresh Prince. It's one of my favorite shows of all yeah. time. Yeah, it was it. always on. I think at a weird time or something. Like I, I just it was on like CBS, right? Yeah, or NBC or something. Like I would do a Fresh Prince podcast if it w- wouldn't it be super weird that a super white guy was doing it by himself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's even funnier. That I think that's great. great. Welcome to the great podcast about Fresh Prince. <laughs> um, well, you got to do your Saved by the Bell podcast first. Yeah, Saved by the Pod. <laughs> pod uh, by the Bell. Pod by the Bell is good. Uh, which uh, w- He lets Will win a few rounds before absolutely taking him for all he's worth, which is established by a pile of Klingon currency with Will's Starfleet Com badge on top, along with his Damn. pants, which, of course, say fresh on the ass. Spelled out with sequins. <laughs> Captain Phil then finds out what's going on after Jazzy Jeff tells him where Will is. After tossing Jeff out the front airlock for saying something super meta and weird to First Officer Vivian, Phil heads down and hustles the hustler by challenging challenging him to honorable batleth combat and just straight up killing him. Damn. Constructive criticism welcome. Thanks, Chief Petty Officer Henry Torbert aboard the USS Tchaikovsky. P.S. Do Klingons have four balls? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm in. I'm all aboard this this new uh, Klingon uh, Fresh Prince universe. Yeah, me too. I'm going to pitch them all. Especially yeah. if Captain Phil calls his batleth Lucille like he does the <laughs> pool cue that he uses. The, yeah, which is like a call, a shout out to, I guess it's like B.B. King, right? The guitar yeah. is Lucille. So fucking good. <laughs> yes, thank you, Henry Torbert, for that great episode of a real <laughs> show that we all love. 
Maybe, maybe Will Smith will hear this because I know he listens. He's a big fan of the show. Yeah. Will, if you're a patron, a patron, I mean, look, I don't want to Aunt Vivid up here, but could you throw a little more? <laughs> We're done. He's gone. He's never listening he's again. Done. He's done. He's canceled us. <laughs> Our next email is from Colin Fulmer. Cool. And it be- it's entitled Star Trek Online. Yeah. Ayo, my trickiest yes. of boys. This may seem this may seem more of a Josh question due to him being more entrenched in the STO game loop. But as a game design major, I gotta ask: Does the Star Trek philosophy really engage itself with a game design perspective? Like from what I've seen of Star Trek Online, it's definitely more combat focused. And what I guess I'm getting at is: Does Star Trek is is that does Star Trek doesn't fit in? You gotta spell check. <laughs> Okay. Well, yeah, I think I know what he's saying. Is yeah. the Star Trek fit in with modern game design? Because to me, STO doesn't seem to follow the ethos or pathos of the Federation. But at the same time, I have to ask if that kind of logic could even make a marketable game. I understand that STO has its dialogue side, but being so combat-focused seems to be the dominant strategy. However, I must stress this is coming from a very limited view, as I've only played a little on PS4 which didn't work very well due to my shit controller and what I've seen online. I guess what I'm asking is, what do you think is the best game design medium to expressly expound the belief of the Federation and Star Trek as a whole? I mean, I think it does. I mean, obviously, like, there's conflicts, and then there's always, like, uh, one way they kind of get around it is they do these things where it's, like, in like incursions occur like the borg show up and you got to fight the borg right so like fighting the borg is like fighting the nazis right like there's nothing wrong with that true true <laughs> like even the federation is going to fight the borg right uh mirror universe incursions happen the stories i think are really good and um one of my favorites is the the ds9 expansion where they talk about uh like the founders and like what they did in the past and it's i think that's very star trek usually there's some kind of star trek reason while you're fighting like you don't want to right at first and you go through the whole all the motions yeah uh yeah i mean the game design is weird like it doesn't play like anything i can even compare it to really it's very strange simulator yeah it's menus the game (laughs) but the the flight combat is cool as shit it feels like you're flying a shit it feels feels like like you're playing with a toy battle it feels like star trek battle for sure it definitely feels like when you were a kid and you were flying chips around like that's what it feels like to me in real life you were flying real ships in real life in real life last starfighter style yes didn't you all live through that didn't you have that happen to you (laughs) every child goes through their last starfighter phase where they blossom they get taken into space by an alien race and become their savior they call that second puberty (laughs) uh yeah no i mean it's a it's a really cool game i think it's the most star trek thing there is right now so uh, I hope that answers your question. I think there's a validity to the fact that so much of the game is based on combat. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Hold up one second, everybody. <coughs> anyway. Wow, that was uh, a really crazy thunder. It sounded yeah, it like you were crazy. coughing or something. Crazy thunder. I had to wait for it to pass. Thunder! Ooh. <laughs> now Iron we have Man to pay here? for that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get yeah, um, sued. I think probably the best sort of um, <clears throat> the best sort of game 
concept or like medium genre yeah. is the word I'm looking for. The best game genre for Star Trek is probably like a point and click. Yeah. Like, or like a like a Kotor sort of if you if you have like decisions to be made right. Kotor is still so heavily combat based is the thing. Like yeah. point and click can have a combat element to it that's sort of secondary, and everything else is all decision making. Yeah, like a mystery maybe. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a mystery because I mean like um, the twenty fifth anniversary Star Trek point and click game is all about like you have to make decisions based on you, like you you can investigate things like every Star Trek thing at its heart has like something you don't understand. So right. mystery might be a good way to look at it, but the way the game works and it also has its share of combat, but the way the game works is you basically play through episodes of Star Trek and you as the captain make all the decisions and how the episode turns out is based entirely on what you do and that yeah. affects the next episode along the way right i think that's so perfectly encap- encapsulates the star trek thing right i just the think the feeling the theme the feeling and the theme and i think it would be easy to just create an entire new like crew and uh you could even create your own captain and yeah. be put in that situation because it's all, like, text-based, right? Right. Um, I think that sort of encapsulates it very well. People have mentioned... I haven't played a whole ton of it. People mentioned Mass Effect has a ton of, like, Star Trek diplomacy in it. Yeah, that's KOTOR. That's 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 Bioware. That's KOTOR. Yeah, it's very much, like... Yeah. KOTOR is a good way to look at it as well, especially if you want to still have a focus on combat along with it because, I mean, yeah, they fight yeah. in Star Trek. Right, it's not like Star Trek doesn't have conflicts, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think maybe like he's a, leaning a little like a heavier sp- into the diplomacy end, but there's a ton of like, yeah, conflict in Star Trek. Just happens when they when you go out there. It's true, and I mean, the you could have like a whole Kotor style system where you can completely avoid combat altogether right. if you're good enough at diplomacy right if you're good at diplomacy right and that's that is there is that element to, yeah. to sto like most of the stories are aren't like we're gonna go fight now oh oh well it's it, there's usually like a very star trek grounded reason for it right like 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 you're fighting an enemy that's like implacable like one that's not gonna like species 8472 or sh- something like they're not they don't give a fuck right no. yeah i mean like, like starfleet has gone to war several times like, yeah yeah um but really if you, if you do want a game that's like the combat isn't really the focus i think like a like a bioware style like kotor esque like maybe a early bethesda like a yeah like obsidian style game might be the best way to go about it yeah i would recommend sto though you don't have to do combat like you can run through the missions and and there's really good stories. some are better than the others but there's really good stories in there a lot of missions you go on are just star trek missions where you're like okay fix this go do this fix this you know talk to these people yeah. It's not all just shooting people. Not every mission is like a, a WoW quest, right? Where you're like, go kill ten tigers or whatever. Star, it's, it's, Star Trek Online does a really good job. And uh, honestly, like a, a better job than like modern Trek does of balancing action and Star Trekness. Yeah. 
And and there's some funny shit too, man. Like when you're like in in the, the Deep Space Nine expansion, you go on a mission with Quark and a bunch of Quark's friends, like 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 uh, and there's like a, a, a the the assassin guy from remember the yeah from the Magnificent Ferengi. Magnificent Ferengi, yeah. He uh, <laughs> there's a there's a scene where there's an explosion and he slow motion walks away from it and puts glasses on. It's really funny. <laughs> Well, that's the thing that, like, I'm, I constantly have to, like, back up with people, I guess, is, like, Star Trek is very funny. Yeah. All the way back to TOS, there are jokes in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, everybody, everybody's taking the piss out of Spock, and Spock is dunking on everybody in every episode yep. of TOS. Yep. And, like, you get to Deep Space Nine, and every single character in Deep Space Nine has their serious side and their yeah. comedic side that they're yep. used for in comedy scenes. Yep. And that's an intrinsic part of what makes Star Trek so enjoyable, is that there is a goofy, silly side to it. Right. They're people, right? They're, they People joke around and stuff, so... Yeah. Yeah. Like, levity and joking around and having fun is a part of the human experience. And these characters are nothing if not very human characters, yeah. no matter how alien they are. Um, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. Uh, he finishes out, Sincerely yours, Lieutenant Junior Grade Colin Fulmer aboard the USS Siskizentimiali. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. I can't pronounce his name either, but he's the creator of the flow state. Very important in psychology and game design. Also, mm. did you know you can be part of a cool Discord where we talk about cool shit and Trek boys for oh, only shit. a dollar a month? Who knew? A commercial. Hell yeah. Uh, sorry for the long email. That was not a long email. That, that was, was a short email. Thank you, Colin Fulmer. Colin. Our next email is uh, from Jared. And it's a it's a little baby email. He went to Jared. <laughs> no one's gonna get that. People get uh, that. He, the email is entitled "Maybe." <laughs> okay. Hey, Trek boys! I've been thinking what? about this stupid idea all morning and just needed to pass it along. Have you considered doing a Ferengi collection for patrons only in the true spirit of the Ferengi? Oh man, that's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. We just go dark for like four weeks. Like nobody else gets it. If you uh, want to listen to our show, you have to become a patron now. <laughs> Man, that would I, I got. I think I just came up with a plan for that. Actually, all right. All right. Remind me to talk about that after we're finished. All right. Yeah, I like uh, that idea. Sorry it's to funny. waste your time, Jared. That was not a waste of time. You did <laughs> a fucking to... great job. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Our uh, next email is from UFO420. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and it is entitled Cock and Bull Torture. Okay. I'm scared of this email already. Yeah. Greetings again, M-Class Satellite, and apologies for our last transmission. Despite our warning, it seems you were still alarmed, and so we hope to find more harmony on this outreach. But first, another warning. <laughs> This is from the dimension where everybody was on LSD all the time. Oh, right, right, right. We inhabited and observed the past 24 centuries of your civilization and must commend you on your collective achievements. Typical single-minded, non-photosynthesizing species are prone to inevitable self-destruction or, or ill-advised post-contact aggression. Your species has largely avoided these pitfalls and transitioned to cellular agriculture to sustain your have energy demands. We, though... <laughs> 
this, uh, we thank you for this step for, I don't know what this email is trying to say to me. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, These LSD right. aliens are crazy. Uh, okay. Um, uh, UFO 420 describes how we see things only through our eyes and we speak in order to communicate in, in no other way. Um, okay. Because nothing you experience can be considered true an ob- to an object's honest state. It hollows Starfleet's claim of ethical consumption via replicator technology, and we must recommend a transition to photosynthesis for a utopian society. This really did come from uh, somebody on LSD. Um, this legitimately is LSD tripping the email. Do you, do you believe plants are conscious? How would you I've, notice, and what's the line for intelligence? Is replicated meat alive? Is it conscious? No. No. Also, it doesn't really matter because we gotta eat something. Yeah, you know we have. I mean? We can't do photosynthesis. I can't. I can't just like not eat plants. If I'm not eating meat and I'm not eating plants, I'm gonna die. So. Yeah, I gotta eat something. That's just the I didn't I didn't choose that. That's just the way it happens. Like so. I'm literally a uh, like a very heavy meat eater. So uh, yeah, I like I, meat. I have no morals whatsoever. So yeah, I'll kill I'll kill anything and eat it. <laughs> yeah, Josh, I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be honored. Fucking eat me. We'll get into a whole conversation about cannibalism one day. <laughs> Cannibalism as bad as everyone says? Question mark. The <laughs> is answer, cannibalism the new vegetarianism? The answer probably. Um, Top five cannibals. Peace and love from the decentralized Cretonian entity known as UFO 420. May Don Wintari have mercy on your souls. <laughs> uh, why didn't I read these before I got on the show? It's a good question. I think. Holy hell. Maybe we're not high enough on LSD. Question mark? Okay, this is a really long peyote from uh, Flesh Colored Ranger who mentions that it's not too long in the thing, but it is pretty long. That also (laughs) doesn't... (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to save that one for next time. Yeah, save that one for later, yeah. Because we do have a lot of emails and I'm trying to get through them. Sorry, Flesh Colored Ranger. We do love you and your very creepy name. (laughs) <laughs> I always see his icon as Twitter icon. Yeah, it's a uh, Juoger, the like animal themed Super Sentai, but he has like a gross flesh colored Super Sentai yeah, outfit on. The flesh coloredness makes it weird. Uh, my God, you people and your emails are so <laughs> long. But I said you could, so it's fine. You Our gave them, team. yeah, you, 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 you vacillated, and then they took advantage. Yeah, let's see if I can, um, I knew that was going to happen. Let's see if I can yeah. find one that's not as long, and then we'll okay. come back. Our next email is from uh, Lieutenant Lovechild of the USS Star Blanket. Wow, the hippie ship, yeah. And it's entitled Pitch for New Series and Musings on Edgy Trek. Okay. Trek boys, I saw the first episode of Star Trek Lower Decks and have been (laughs) thinking about where modern Trek has gone, of course, from classic Trek. (laughs) My main idea is that it's gotten edgy in response to the world being edgy, man. (laughs) 
Picard is an indecipherable hellscape in response to U.S. politics also being that. Uh-huh. Lower Decks has a douchey senior staff as villains because it seems designed to appeal to teens. And authority sucks, man. Mm-hmm. Disco has a Starfleet that can't be trusted because no one trusts politicians and Epsteins and the like. <laughs> Epsteins. It only makes sense that media reflects the trends of the time. But it's a misstep to cast Starfleet as evil and mistrustful, man. A better way to do this IMO would be to set a new series after the Dominion War and have, I don't know, a new wave of Dominion or Borg or whatever. Crush Starfleet <laughs> as we know it. And have the Federation recast as a scrappy underdog under the heel of some new hellish empire. If you You're talking really, about Star Wars. <laughs> I believe this is called... Uh, the Star Wars. <laughs> this is called The Kevin Sorbo Show. Andromeda. <laughs> oh, Andromeda is this. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you really wanted to make a nostalgia show, our heroes could use old junk ships, like in Rich's excellent Picard remaster. Ships patched together out of old Constitution classes and the like. And let's be real here, dudes. I don't want my Star Trek to become Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this series setup would give you a structure that would allow our beloved Trek to attract more of the Star Wars crowd, allowing it to be more of a competitor in these rather weak times for Star Wars. <laughs> this, pitch does, uh, pre- uh, this pitch preserves the hopeful and righteous identity of Starfleet, while also reflecting these rather crushing times. What do you think, dudes? How would you have Star Trek stay in touch with the world but keep its essential hopeful nature intact? Also, what would you call this series? I thought about it for 30 whole seconds and went with (laughs) Star Trek Uprising. But that feels lame. Star Trek Feudal Resistance? Star Trek Underground? I don't know, man. I love your Wooderson from Days of Confused. I, for one, just want to see Trek move forward instead of backwards. Nostalgia shows and whatever you call that incoherent nostalgia trip that is Picard are really depolarizing my warp coils, man. (laughs) Signed, Lieutenant Lovechild, signing off from the USS Star Blanket. <laughs> Man, I was right about that. <laughs> Fucking told you. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think you mess with Starfleet at all. I I think because the world is so god-awful, like, you don't fuck with it. Yeah, here's the thing is, like, we live in these harsh times, but, like, what is what is by far the most popular children's media on the market right now? Is Steven Universe, which is entirely hopeful and made about like sharing your true feelings and understanding one another. Yeah, 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 man. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I I feel like this era in Star Trek history will be kind of viewed similarly, like television shows from the early '80s. Like eventually, people are just gonna be like, "Those were really bad." Yeah, <laughs> those were I really see bad that shows. For sure. uh, it's like there's definitely there's definitely something to be said for the idea that you're like to make the Star Starfleet like an underdog, but I don't think you have to have like them being controlled by another empire to do. I that. think Starfleet is always the underdog because they're not overtly powerful like the Klingons or Romulans, right? So like I, I always kind of feel like Starfleet kind of 
comes into a, a, a tense situation with one hand tied behind their back because of their their morals and their honor, right? Like, I don't know. I I, I don't think you got to mess with Starfleet. I don't think you have to make it Star Wars-y at all. I don't really care about, like, I like Star Wars. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I like them both... Like I can do two things at once, right? Yeah. Like I can drive a car and smoke a cigarette, right, or whatever. Like I can, I can like two things. Like, like nary the twain shall meet, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. not what I want. I don't right. want Star Wars to be more Trek, and I don't want Trek to be more Star Wars. Exactly. So like, I don't care if fans like Ding Dongs want like a Star Warsy Star Trek to go fucking watch Star Wars. There's like fifty-seven fucking things you can watch, right? Yeah. Like, there, there's a specific moment in, um my smile and nod interview that I did with Nick Murphy where he mm-hmm. says and what what do you want do you just want no more star do you do you want more star trek or don't you right. and i said no <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and said well at least you're honest and i said well if it was going to if it's going to be like the way star trek has been for a little while then i don't want any more like yeah more of it's not better right it's not star trek i don't want the star wars crowd that don't like star trek to want trek more i want to like trek more i want the people who love star trek to love star trek right right i agree i Um, agree with you i don't think that this this idea is bad i just think that like the way things have been i think you would get an even darker edgier moodier star trek out of this the, the main problem with what he said and and what he said again what he what you're saying isn't you're absolutely right like because of the way things are it's reflecting on the media the problem with that with star trek in this instance is the show isn't saying anything about why it's bad to be like this no it's not it's, you just need a villain it's 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 a pure regurgitated mirror of itself but like what is it it's not saying anything it's not saying like isn't it super fucked up that like we can't trust anyone and the government's a pile of dog shit it's it's all it's saying is like well it's like that now so now the show's like that like that's terrible that's just bad writing like if you want to like somebody wrote in about this once before that if you want to reflect the untrustworthy like hateful horrible government that we have now have starfleet go up against it right have that be the villain so that you can see this is why where we're at now is so wrong and, and also, Starfleet is where we can end up if we just all work together to get past this. Also, it reaffirms your morals. If you're more like Starfleet, like you can then say, like, yes, exactly. Like I feel this way. I feel like, like Star, like Starfleet in this situation. Like I don't, I don't like the way this is going. Yeah, and you end up like that one special person who's or like that small amount of special people who are on the side of our government right now who watch this Star Trek and they don't just go rally online about how much they hate the fact that like they're being portrayed as the villains. They see like, wow, like if, if Starfleet is against this, why am I for it? Right. And real, like a little bit of real change can happen. Because I mean, we've gotten an email before from somebody who was like a hardcore conservative yeah. And Star Trek changed that for them. Right. It, yeah. has, it has a power if you use it correctly, and it's just not being used that way. It's it's being run by a corporatist money-making hacks, really. I mean, like, Lindelof is... Not Lindelof. Uh, uh, Kurtzman, Kurtzman is... Kurtzman, yeah. That dude doesn't give a fuck, dude. Like, no. he isn't... 
He has, um, no, he has no plan. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. By the way, that hippie voice was for sure uh, Floyd from The Muppet Show. Oh, One of the Floyd. Electric Mayhem guys. Yeah, okay, all right. It's, yeah. It's I got, for sure I got the... him, man. <laughs> I thought it was uh, Days of Confused. There's probably like some... All some right, overlap. all right, all right. <laughs> um, Love those redheads. <laughs> our next email is from uh, David S. Uh-huh. And it's entitled Regret and Penitence. No regrets. <laughs> Trek boys, you gotta help me. I show my darling sweet Mary Susan Sally Mae Nagilam the Voyager log in the collection, and now she can't get that older Kim out of her mind. <laughs> we can be shucking plasma corn, milking the power cats, herding the Alfredo <laughs> Horta into their pens, or even tending to our red alert grow. Is that a, is that a euphemism? Is that a... The Alfredo Horta into the pen. <laughs> it's a great euphemism. The Alfredo Horta. <laughs> or even tendon dollar red alert grow, and I see her staring longingly toward the horizon. I fear she wants his Garrett Wang and her Harry Kim. Oh, oh my God. no. Oh my God. <laughs> Man, you got me to say, oh my God. Yeah, that's that a special time that's to get Josh to say that. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> what do you boys know about time travel? Or are there any Borg dongles y'all got laying around I can send a message to myself with? <laughs> Borg dongles. If I can keep Mary Susan Sally Mae from seeing that episode, and maybe even telling myself to sell all that quark coin before it tanks, boy. <laughs> I'd be happier in a Quetzalcoatl in a z- full zoo ship, I tell you what. <laughs> if you could send a message back to yourself, what would you say and how long ago would you send it? Would you send oh, the man. best comeback to a sick burn you still think about? Winning lotto numbers? Words of wisdom during a difficult time? Keeping your woman from falling for a no-personality-having-monopene ensign who couldn't carry the four on his Dumbo calculations? <laughs> Regretfully, David S. Senior chopped liver, apparently. Damn, he's going through some shit. It's rough over there. I don't know. I don't know, man. Because if you change something, you change everything, right? So who knows? Butterfly effect. Yeah, here's, here's the thing, right? Is like, if you send yourself winning lotto numbers, you've yeah. changed someone else's future of winning the lotto. Yeah, maybe they die or something. You know what I mean? Who knows? And I don't know. I want those winning lotto number though. <laughs> I know I want that too. Hmm. Maybe think, you can just send. Uh, you know that that doesn't work either. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I. I don't really. I'd have to really think about it. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to think fifteen years about it and then forget one of the major things that I could have done. <laughs> I feel like. I went through such a long time thinking that, like, I was, like, a shit loser because I was surrounded yeah. by people who treated me that way. Yeah. That, like, I would just go back in time and be like, dude, you're fucking cool as hell. You need to just... Well, that's what I would do, too. I'd come back to you and I'd say, hey, I'm going to be your friends in a couple of years, so I'd be like, fucking I'd be like, get with fucking it. Fucking dude from Continue? What are you doing here? <laughs> it's it's the, the gif of me time traveling in the video. It me. <laughs> Which is just like me every day. 
fuck. If you like, if you time traveled to previous me and you were like, "Hey, we're gonna be good friends," I'd be like, "When? How? What? Now? You're I'd on the like, computer screen. What are you I'd talking like right about? Now. <laughs> right now? Let's right go now. get an ice cream. Yeah, let's talk about Star Trek. <laughs> oh, dude, I fucking love Star Trek. Let's complain about Earthbound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a tough question, though. Like. Because anything you do in the past can severely oh, yeah. change the timeline. Yeah. You can really fuck shit up. Or make things crazy good, but also there's a sacrifice, right? Like, think about all the, the good things that you have. Like, maybe you won't have those, you know? Who knows? It's a really philosophical question. That's like, why the Temporal Prime Directive exists. Like, if I go back in time and pants Trump at a debate, right, and everyone sees his tiny little dongle hanging, yeah, and all the people who think he's a big manly man now know he has a shriveled little Vienna You wouldn't even be able to see it, because his flabby fupa would be covering it. So, would that change history? Would people not vote for him? Because he's (laughs) a a blob of a human being, and now there's no way to deny it. Maybe. Or maybe they would find it reassuring because they who voted for him also have floppy, tiny fupa dongles. That's true. So maybe you're just helping him, right? Who knows? What if if I go back in time and push Trump off a cliff? Yeah. Do we now have President Pence, who's even worse? I don't know. You don't know. Like, you're you're creating a whole different timeline where things are completely different. Yeah, Jeff and I just watched uh, uh, Umbrella Academy, so... Yeah, time can <laughs> so get bored. Yeah, we're really like, what do we do? Because <laughs> that do whole we save JFK? Yeah, I don't know. Right? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> there was a scene that very much reminded me of you and me a little bit, where, like, this is what we would do in the situation. It's when... Uh, Fucking um, uh, Luther and Diego find the blood on the ground that says yeah. that has like uh, Swedish and they call yeah, Lady Olga, for Olga. Olga. Yeah, they yeah. fucking threaten her on the phone and it yeah. turns out that she has nothing. Just an old lady who has nothing to do. With it. <laughs> Wrong number. Goodbye. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's a good scene. Oh, I love Diego because he's like an idiot i fucking love that diego's so fucking great yeah there's nobody in that show that i don't like after the second season they're all really no they're all great i didn't like diego in the first season but the antonio banderas hair makes him like true so much more likable he's so much cooler yeah thanks man Uh, watch it everybody it's a really good season it's Um, good Hopefully you and uh, Mary Susan Sally May can. Um, I guess her last name is Nagilam, which is scary. Here's here's my <laughs> my suggestion. Uh, why don't you dress up like uh, Lethal Kim? <laughs> <laughs> lethal, fucking, lethal Wep Kim. Le- lethal Weapon Kim, and you know, do a little bedroom action. Get a little yeah. RP going on. It's true. Sounds awful. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> Pretend to be Harry Kim for me. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that email, David S. Oh, man. Our uh, next email is... Uh, did Colin Brady already write in? Uh, no. No, it was a different Colin. Yeah. It's entitled, Peyote, Peyote, read all about it. Oh, shit, the newsies are here. <laughs> 
Hey, Trek boys. Hello. Longtime listener, sporadic emailer, first time pitcher or ditcher. Oh, wow. I hope this isn't too long. Enjoy my totally original, every character and plot point 100% my own, peyote. Okay. We open on a shot of a Klingon bird of prey traveling at warp and hear a log being recorded by Will, son of Smith. Oh, my God. He says that the junior division of the Order of the Batleth has been touring the Empire's ships in search of new recruits. And the IKS Bel Air is next. While getting lost in visions of his future as a junior member of the Order, Will is hilariously interrupted by his Ferengi crewmate, Carl Tunn. Carl Tunn, while a Ferengi, grew up in the Empire and considers himself just as much of a warrior as any Klingon. (laughs) Very strange. When the Order representatives arrive, their leader immediately singles out Carl Tunn, and his trials are way more difficult than anyone else's. He has to fight two Skeletors with just a Mechleth and a Toby the Tark. Aw, sweet. This, this is the episode where they rush the fraternity, and the oh. guy who runs the frater- the all-black fraternity thinks that Carlton isn't black enough to be a member. That's right, I remember that one. The yeah. trials end with a night full of drinking, just like the real order. During this time, Will finds out that he was accepted, but Carlton wasn't. He tries to spare Carlton his feelings by saying that he didn't get in instead, but when Carlton confronts the leader about it, he's told the truth. Mm. While his ego is bruised, Carlton holds his head high and exits. Nah, just kidding. He calls that guy a patak, and they have a duel to the death. Damn. Carlton wins, but he still leaves as he realizes that joining the Order won't give him any more honor than he already has. Trekfully yours, Ensign Colin Brady on the USS Ada Lovelace. P.S. Do Klingons have four balls? Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're already pitched these. We've already, (laughs) we're pitching all of the IKS Bel Air. Bel Air. We're doing all of them. Yeah, yeah. You guys are killing me with this. (laughs) This is ridiculous. We've really, we've really started something. Uh, our last email of the evening... Uh-huh. Is gonna be a long one, so strap in. It's yep. from Rich Masters. Shit. It's it's titled a first dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. Oh my sweet lord! It's Dim Dare Trek Boys. Oh boy. Whatever will they do next? Spoilers. It's reading this email. Well, <laughs> not reading it now, motherfucker. You're done. All right. See you next week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Wait for it. A Deep Space Nine episode. Oh, what? I normally avoid these like the plague. Maybe that's a poorly timed analogy. Because yeah, of the thanks continuity. a lot. It reminded me about the plague. Ah, man. It's too soon. Too soon. It's the too Black Plague. Soon. Too soon. We're in- <laughs> it's 800 years ago. Too soon. <laughs> he tries to avoid the plague because... Uh, avoided Deep, Deep Space Nine episodes because of the continuity, but he thought he'd give it a go. Mm-hmm. This episode is set in Season 3 of DS9, after the episode Heart of Stone. Okay. To give context, Odo has realized his affection for Kira, and the Founder pretended to be Crystal Kira, but the Dominion have not yet started their war against the Federation. That's right, Crystal Kira. I forgot about that. Uh, Odo stands with his back to the wall at the entrance of Quarks, watching a table of Uridians talking quietly amongst themselves. Haven't you got anything better to do than just stand there, Quark asks? Busiest day in three months, and you're scaring off the customers like some sort of gargoyle, and you're creating a fire hazard. (laughs) All right, I love this already. Odo smiles and explains he isn't, that station regulation 462 states, 
Clark cuts him off, saying he doesn't have time or energy to argue. What with it being the Bajoran festival of, ah, jeez, what useless religious BS can I use here? Uh, uh, splendid tood. Yes, yes, that will do. <laughs> yes, that will do. The Editor's is- notes welcome. <laughs> The station's packed with religious leaders and visiting tourists, hawkers and peddlers, and as Quark puts it, every sort of vulture trying to pick the flesh off a major holiday. Yep. Cutting into your profiteering, sneers Odo. Like you wouldn't believe, whispers Quark as he (laughs) pours more in a drink. Odo leaves Quark's with a huff, you know the one, and patrols the promenade, walking past a hooded Bajoran Vedic who waits until Odo is left before suspiciously continuing his conversation with a mean-looking Lethian. Title, Deductive Reasoning. Sweet. The Vedic rushes to one of the cargo bays where a transport's waiting for him. Although it's not, the other side of the airlock shows nothing but empty space. A barrel, or probably a tote bag, morphs back into Odo, and he stands amused by the Vedic's <laughs> shock. Oh my god. Hello, this episode Tempest, has everything. He says... This is an episode specifically for us, I yes, think. Yes, <laughs> Back in Odo's office, Sisko walks in and asks the constable why he's been summoned. Odo isn't looking at the commander, instead watching Tepes pace back and forth on the security monitors. I need a runabout, commander. No questions asked. What? Sisko's a bit taken aback. He'd expect this from Kira, but not from Odo. Constable, you're going to have to give me something here. I can give you this. Odo hands him a pad. Sisko reads it aloud. It's a formal request from the Bajoran government to lend Odo whatever resources he needs in order to fulfill the duties they've charged him with. Sisko isn't pleased, angry that Odo went behind his back, but he swallows it. He tells Odo he thought the two were friends and that Odo could come with him with whatever he needed. Computer, seal the room. Authorization Odo Gamma 2 Beta. The room what? locks, and all external internal comms are blocked. Odo pulls a small stone carving of a deer from a drawer underneath his desk and places what? it on the table and asks Sisko to sit. In ops, Kira's not having the best day, and after slamming a fist against a console, she rants at a suffering Chief O'Brien to sort out her access to the Bajoran security network. Oh, I love you, Kira. <laughs> in order to prepare for the military briefing tomorrow. Just Sis- hit me a little bit. Just punch me just, just a, a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Cisco enters ops from the clearly janky, unsafe cargo lift they seem to have entered by and tells the chief to belay that order. He calls Kira to his office, who looks around for some clue as to what's happening from her Starfleet colleagues, but Jadzia just shrugs. Don't look at me. Don't know. In his office, Cisco informs Kira that her liaison access will be unavailable for the next two days and that the Chamber of Ministers will be unavailable due to family emergencies. Mm-hmm. Very likely. All of yes. them have family emergencies right it's now. It's an emergency. <laughs> he advises that she takes a few days leave, not pry, and let this wash over her. Mm-hmm. When she asks why they told him and not her as Starfleet Bajoran liaison, he says questions like that won't do her any favors. Damn. She storms out of ops and heads back to her quarters, but she needs to find out what's happening because, you know, she's Kira. Yeah, redheads. She she asks the computer to locate Odo, but he's no longer aboard the station. A quick walk by the security office shows that Michael Eddington is manning the desk. What is going on? What? Eddington sucks. He's pretty cool, but then he sucks. Yeah. 
Later that night, Kira is easily able to break into Odo's security office to find out what's happening, and is about to ransack his desk or check through his computer files when she spots Odo's prisoner on the monitors. She goes in to speak with the man, but he's cagey, refusing to admit who he is. But Kira already knows. He's Tepes Finna, the, ag- the adjutant to the Laurel Resistance Cell, one of the most prestigious and successful terrorist cells during the occupation. Man, why, when do I get to become an adjutant? Or am I already one, always? You're in, we're both adjutants to the podcast, That's I think. true, yeah. Two members of the, con- of the Chamber of Ministers and a senior Vedic to Kai Wen served in that militia. All were honored for their service, which is why it's surprising that someone who worked with them is in prison. Tepes is tight-lipped on the situation, saying he just wanted to book quiet passage to the Nabride Alliance. I'm just trying to get my dicks up on Nabride. <laughs> Until Kira says that she'll start asking loud questions about his incarceration if he doesn't start talking. He begs her not to. His amnesty will be worth nothing if she does. Her eyes widen. Amnesty for what? She demands. Yeah. I know the location of Gull Relor, he whispers, ashamed. Which, what war crime did this asshole do? <laughs> Cannibalism? All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Kira is shocked, clenching her fists in a fury we haven't seen. She walks up to the force field and demands that he tell her whatever he told Odo, or she'll kill him then Damn. and there. Yes. It's late, but Quark counts strips of latinum at the bar as if waiting for someone. And when Kira starts marching down the promenade, he opens the door immediately, expecting her. She seems not to be surprised. I hear things. Talk of Gol Relor isn't something you can keep quiet on this station, is all he admits, mm-hmm. and goes behind the bar to pour her something to soothe her nerves. She takes the drink without thanking him, and downs the long glass in one. Yeah! Quark, I need... She begins, but he holds a hand up. I secured a small cargo vessel a few months back. Nothing fancy, but enough to catch up to Odo, he says. What? Why is he being so nice? Kira asks what he wants for it. Quark tells her there's no charge. Something's he knows how on. serious this is. Nah. Kira nods, then leaves. Nah, something's up. Something's up. Quark doesn't do anything for free. Nope. Not even in season seven. No. <laughs> Kira has been on the Ferengi cargo transporter for two days now, she admits in a log, and she's far enough away from Odo that she can follow him without him knowing. She praises Quark's upgraded sensors, amused by the fact that they must have proved useful when dodging checkpoint ships. She talks about Gol Relor, that there hasn't been a night in over the past six years that she hasn't thought about that monster, but she's, that she was starting to put the past behind her. She can't understand that Odo would deprive her of her revenge like this. Yes. That he should have come to her first. Her logs are interrupted by a warning from the sensors. Odo has landed on a moon 20 minutes away. She increases her speed and pursues. On the surface, Kira locates the runabout Volga and follows her scans into a cave network. She traces Odo's path for a while until she springs some sort of trap, which awaiting Odo saves her from by knocking her out of the way. The trap causes a phase sweep that they're lucky to avoid. That would have vaped you, man. No doubt. Odo is not pleased to see her. Odo's not pleased to see her, saying that she should have stayed on the station and trusted him to bring in R'hllor, that it's too personal for her. Odo, quit being a chodo. Oh, fucking hell. Dunked so hard. <laughs> the glass is broken, man. The Jesus. net fell over. He's on fire. <laughs> Marv Albert is here. <laughs> 
She tortured me, killed my friends in front of me, Odo, in order to get me to reveal the Shakar cell plants. She's a she. I understand that must have been difficult, but Odo begins. You don't understand, Odo. You can't comprehend how that weighs on you for the rest of your life, stains every day, to know that you're alive only because braver Bajorans aren't. I will remember their faces, their death stares for the rest of my life. That'll fuck you up. Odo falls silent, bringing the stone-carved deer out of his, quote-unquote, pocket. His butthole. For pocket, see whichever goo pocket he stuck it in. (laughs) But puts it back before Kira can see it. I've stuck it in a few goo pockets. Oh, God. Uh, He makes her (laughs) promise not to kill Relore when they find her, that they'll bring her back to the station. Kira refuses to promise anything, and with no choice but to move forward, an awkward impasse sets between the two. Shit. Odo and Kira progress, slowly scanning for traps until they come to a bunker, where the Cardassian Gulrelor is sitting, waiting for them. What is she doing? She's sitting? (laughs) She doesn't try to run or hide, she just sits and waits, hoping that one of her traps might have finished them. Yeah. Odo, how wonderful to see you, she purrs. Then spots Kira. Her eyes light up, and you brought me a present. How thoughtful. Kira charges down R'hllor, striking her with the back of her phase pistol to Odo's protests. Damn, pistol whipped. Back on the Volga, Odo and Kira sit in silence, with R'hllor unconscious behind a force field in the back. Odo breaks the silence, telling Kira she's glad he's glad that she didn't kill her. Kira rages, saying that Odo doing this alone is a betrayal she didn't think him capable of, and demands to know why he did it. Quark's doing crimes. He's doing crimes on Deep Space Nine right now. Well, no doubt. He just got rid of the two people who yeah. bring him in all the time. Yeah. In response, Odo pulls the stone carving out of his pocket and places it on the console. A spring deer carving, Kira whispers. I had one of those animal carvings as a child. A fellhawk, a species found in Darkor province. Mm-hmm. And spring deer are only found in Laurel province. Home of the members of the Laurel Resistance Cell, Odo nods. Every one of the children of the cell had one. The cabin falls silent, but Kira needs to know. What happened? Odo recounts the story. After Kira left Terok Nor following the death of the Bajoran chemist Vatrik as she attempted to retrieve the, the collaborator list, in Necessary Evil, mm-hmm. the occupation started to enter its final stages. His job of keeping the peace began to grow more difficult, as the vengeful Cardassians knew they were beginning to lose. He was forced to make more and more concessions to satisfy justice, turning a blind eye to Bajoran crimes to counter the increasing Cardassian brutality he was helpless to stop. Nice. Kira says she knows that. It's one of the reasons she trusts him so much. But Odo goes on. In the final months of the war, the Cardassians raided Laurel Province, bringing the families of the Freedom Fighters up to the station for insurance against attacks. Bajoran human shields. Damn. That's a war crime. It was at this time... Here's another war crime for you. Oh, cool. It was at this time the eugenicist doctor, Gull Relore. Oh, no! He's a Nazi! (laughs) She's a Nazi. She's a Nazi! ...was stationed aboard Terok Nor, and when the Cardassians started the withdrawal from the station, she took the Bajoran children with her. Well, that's terrible. Odo tried to stop her and managed to save about half the children. 
After the end of the war, Odo was asked by the remaining parents to hunt down and bring justice to Golrelor, and was given one of these toys as a constant reminder of his mission. He's been hunting her ever since. His latest lead pointed to Tepis Fena. To gain access to the Cell's family, someone must have talked, and he'd been missing since the end of the war. When he showed up to the station, it all fell into place. Nice. Kira is aghast, but her rage still keeps her from understanding Odo's mission completely. She advocates for the murder of R'hllor so that all parties can be satisfied the monster could never hurt anyone again, but Odo insists she must stand trial. R'hllor has been awake while they've been talking and says there's a third option, that if she is given a more comfortable custodial sentence, she'll lead them to where the rest of the children are. Ooh, that's evil. When Kira says they wouldn't trust her lies, R'hllor says that Kira, above all, should know that she prefers brutal honesty. Kira remembers the torture. You can always just kill her if she's lying. That's true. After a look between her and Odo, Kira promises her that she'll secure an easier facility for her sentence on Bajor. R'hllor demands that Kira turn around and swear to her, looking her in the eye. Kira does just that, prompting the biggest shit-eating grin from R'hllor. Oh, fuck. They arrive at a small forest moon in the Devor Belt at a very secluded <laughs> at a very secluded research base. Odo and Kira chat in private. Scans show no life forms, but they could be masked. They've sent a message back to Deep Space Nine, but they both agree if the child prisoners are still here that they need to free them now. They can't wait. Relore leads them to the facility via a large camouflaged vault door. But it's clear she's shocked by what she sees inside. Phaser no. burns, explosive damage, dead Cardassian scientists. Yes! And inside, a few dead Jem Hadar, too. What? The Cardassian soldiers that would have been the trap Relor was leading them into are dead, too, slaughtered by the Jem Hadar. Kira pushes Relor up to the wall, choking her. You lied! Of course I did, but it doesn't matter now. All that matters is what's in my lab. The three continue into the deepest section of the facility where R'hllor's lab is located, but it's gutted. Her work has been destroyed or stolen. Crucially, there are no children here, but there are x-rays and scans of them on the walls. R'hllor falls to her knees in anguish, and Kira draws her pistol. Shoot her. Before Kira can shoot, or Odo can intervene... They are fight up, fired upon by the Jim Hadar, who hadn't finished ransacking the place. Oh, great. These guys. <laughs> the, th- <laughs> the three rush to the exit, and Kira is shot in the stomach, helping R'hllor to her feet after the scientist falls. It's a bad hit, with one of the Jim Hadar's anticoagulating shots, meaning uh, she'll bleed, bleed out to death. if they don't get help soon. But they retreat and are nearly out when R'hllor is struck by Jemitar fire in the leg and takes cover behind a clutch of rocks. Odo throws Kira's phase pistol to R'hllor and tells her to hold on while he gets Kira back to the runabout. He opens the vault doors and rushes to the ships to the sound of R'hllor's firefight with the Jemhadar behind him. She's gonna kill herself. When he's back at the ship, he places Kira in the co-pilot seat, takes a long, long look after her, then leaves her to recover R'hllor. Arriving at the door, he watches as R'hllor is holding the Jim Hadar at bay in a narrow corridor, but she won't be able to hold them off forever. R'hllor catches Odo's face and realizes what he's about to do. 
Odo weighs his options, then steps back through the door towards the shuttle. Oh, yeah. Prompting cries from Allure. Odo, I admit it. We took all those children, experimented, but they were weak and runty. They died within a matter of days. I can show you where they're buried, where we covered it up. All you have to do is help. Help those families get closure. Odo sneers and closes the vault door on Relore's cries for help, <laughs> leaving her to the Jem'Hadar's mercies. He'll remember her death stare for the rest of his life, nice. but it's a decision he can live with. As Dude. The run- as the runabout takes off from the surface, the Dominion ships pursue, taking them out of the Devor belt and into open space. Despite some reasonable piloting by Odo, they are swiftly outmaneuvered and caught in a tractor beam. Odo places himself between Kira and the main cabin, where he assumes the boarding party will arrive, but the runabout is suddenly rocked by explosions as the Defiant rushes past, obliterating the unshielded Dominion vessel in a volley of fire. Oh, the Defiant, the best ship. <laughs> Cisco to Volga. Is everything alright over there? Odo tells the commander that Kira is badly injured and to prepare Dr. Sh- Bashir for emergency surgery. Back on the station, Odo hovers around the entrance to sickbay, so quiet that Julian doesn't initially notice him there when he first enters the room. He tells Odo that Kira will be alright, and if it was only Odo, it was only Odo's quick escape that saved her life. A few minutes more and the damage would have been irreparable. Hmm. Odo looks miserable. His decision had ramifications the doctor can't hope to understand. Julian doesn't pick up on the subtext, thinking Odo's just worried about Kira. He tells her he can go in to see her if he keeps it brief. Odo walks into the surgery room, seeing Kira on the bed where her former love, Beryl, so recently died. Rip. It's almost too much, and he goes to leave, but Kira is awake. Odo, she says, groggy and tired. Relore? Dead, he admits, unable to make contact. Killed by the Jem'Hadar. I'm sorry for doubting you. He feels guilty and tells her not to apologize, that he's just glad that she's okay. But I jeopardized your investigation. I made you break your promise to those parents. Can you forgive me? Odo hangs his head, unable to look at her. You didn't do anything, Nerese, he whispers. I had a choice to make between the pursuit of justice and you. I chose, will always choose, you. Ooh, yeah. The chicks love that shit. But she hasn't heard him. She's fallen back asleep. Oh, no. (laughs) Odo breathes a deep sigh, partially thankful she didn't hear, then stands. He places the small stone deer carving next to her pillow and leaves. The end. All right, that's the that's the best one I've that's ever heard. That's so fucking good, man. Yeah, that's, that's so very good. Yep. Oof, man. Oh my God, that's so good. <sighs> See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so like impressed. Like, there's a certain level of quality that all of Rich's stories are. He at. has the subtext down. He he knows the finer points of how to make it. The cat is going insane right now. I can hear. I can hear. <laughs> At least it isn't the thunder in your house going insane like mine. He's playing with something and he's losing it. Yeah, no. Rich has the, the, the tone and the theme. He's got it. And from from series to series as well, everyone has a yeah. different tone and theme, and he nails it. Every yeah, he time. nailed. He really nailed this one, man. That was that's dead on. That's Deep Space Nine as fuck for sure. Yeah, 
Uh, he yeah. finishes out by saying, well, that was a long one. Not the first time I've heard that. And then oh, in parentheses, because of penises. And then in parentheses, totally real giant wieners. Yeah! <laughs> I hope you enjoyed. Maybe more of these Deep Space Nine one-shots in the future. Kisses, Captain Rich, XO of the USS Ronald D. Moore, Ronald D. Bohr, more like, don't at me, Whoa. I'm only kidding. Wait, I'm running out of space to get D. <laughs> it just wraps around. <laughs> And it's the D is the best the D. part. <laughs> D. I'm running out of D. God, Rich, you bring this program to a whole different level every fucking time. Yeah, you, it. you don't. You don't get enough credit for how good this shit is. It's so fucking good. Um. P.S. B-plot in that episode, Jadzia has a Tongo rivalry with an old trill that has lasted three generations. Ooh. The engineer holding the Jeff symbiote comes aboard to challenge Dax from the USS Bel Air. <laughs> oh my god. I don't think Rich got the notes in the same way everybody <laughs> else did. Get the memo. <laughs> Jeff, you, I mean, Rich, you missed a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I'm late, guys. I was just writing a big epic. Just writing this big epic, all right? That's I was writing this like. big epic, boy. Well, he bruv. has a much more, no, much more pleasing accent He is that, extremely so. proper. It's very <laughs> soothing. I love Rich's voice. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for the show. Like We've got two big pitches that I'll get to next time. Yeah. And uh, a couple, another email I think that's still just kind of waiting to be read. So if you didn't get read on this episode, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I read the very beginning and then stopped. I'm very sorry. But you'll be on the next episode, so don't worry. Yeah. Thank you, everybody who wrote in. It means a shit ton to us. Thank you to the entire crew of the IKS Bel Air for <laughs> your wonderful stories. I can't. I, I, I was going to try to be sarcastic. I can't even. I don't even have that in me anymore. <laughs> I was gonna be like, I was gonna be like, oh man, I bet that's the last we hear of that. <laughs> Somehow, I think we'll hear from them again. <laughs> Special thank you to Rich Masters again for bringing our program to a whole different level every time he sends an email. Yeah, in. thank you, Rich. People tune in to M Class email specifically for the Rich stories and nothing else. Well, that's else, the only reason they should be doing it. I can't blame them. Yeah. Um, thank you so much to our patrons, especially for keeping the show going. M-Class email only still exists because you guys want it and you Hell guys yeah. support us. That's it. If you'd like to be part of the few, the proud, the Trek boys, you can head over to patreon.com slash M-Class podcast, where for as little as a dollar, you can support what we do. Keep M-Class email in the air, get wallpapers, behind the scenes posts, and for a little bit more money, you can get entirely new podcasts like Jeff and Josh Shoot the Shit, our podcast about whatever and whenever. That's a good one. And uh, M-Class Etc., which is a podcast about all that pop culture shit that's connected to Star Trek with a yep. thin line. Yep. Thank you so much, everybody. Again, we will be back in one week for more M-Class goodness. Um, bye-bye. Trick with your boy. Trick with your boy. Bye, 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 bye.